We knew the Orioles were building something special. We knew this team could be very, very good. But I don't think many of us knew that in 2023, two years after losing 110 games, the Orioles would win 100 games and clinch an AL East title. But that is what they did on Thursday night. Popping the champagne and the celebration was off at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. I will recap a special, special night at the yard coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Friday, September 29th, 2023, And welcome back in to the Locked on Orioles podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, you know what we're talking about. We're recapping an AL East title. The Orioles win the division with a 2-0 win over the Red Sox on Thursday night. They clinch it. They celebrate. They pop the champagne. And it was incredible to see. Incredible to be in the ballpark. I'll get you the five things you need to know from the Orioles clinching win that dropped that magic number to zero. No more looking over their shoulder at the Rays. They've won the toughest division in baseball. I'll talk about Dean Kramer's marvelous bounce back start. Anthony Santander sparking the offense. Heston Kerstad getting a big hit late. And the bullpen coming up huge and looking like playoff usage from... Brandon Hyde. Then, just really want to talk about what this means for the franchise, for the city, for the Orioles, how crazy this is that they've done this this quickly. And finally, look at what's next for the O's. What comes up this weekend now that they've got three more games, but they've locked everything up. That is all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. But before we get there, just did want to thank you, the fans, you, the listeners, you, the subscribers, everyone out there who has been there. Every day. I mean, specifically the everydayers out there. Thank you so much for making Locked on Orioles your first listen. But anybody who's jumped in lately, you know, this Orioles team's been great. Maybe you popped into the podcast this year. Maybe you just started listening last week. Whatever it may be. Thank you so much for helping me to grow this show. And we're not done. We got a postseason to cover. We got a postseason that's running through Baltimore in the American League to cover. But I just wanted to thank you all for all the support on the podcast took this over in January of 2020. I talked about a lot of Orioles losses, but these have been a lot of Orioles wins. Thursday night was probably the sweetest of them all. So thank you all for subscribing, for listening. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to the Locked on Orioles YouTube page. It's your team every day. And on today's episode, it's an Orioles clinch. Orioles 2, Red Sox 0. Your final score from Oriole Park at Camden Yards on Thursday night. In game one of a four-game series between the O's and the Sox to wrap up the 2023 regular season, the Orioles came into the game with a magic number of one to clinch the AL East. The Rays were off on Thursday night, so it was just up to the O's. Either they win and clinch it, or they lose, and they've got to do it in one of the final three games this weekend. And they did not want to wait. And I said this on Thursday's episode. The best way to clinch is when you've got a night when the team chasing you doesn't play. 
Because if the magic number is one, there's always a chance that, you know, the Rays could have lost their game tonight before the Orioles won. And it takes a little bit of juice out of the clinch because you already know you have it before your game's over. When you're the standalone game and it's win and in, and you're not looking at any other scores in your home ballpark, that's the best way to do it. And that is how the Orioles did it. And not only do they clinch the AL East, they get to 100 wins. Orioles 159 on the season. They have won the American League East. And I'm going to get you the five things you need to know from the victory. The first thing you need to know is Dean Kramer, after, I mean, really struggling so far in the month of September. Basically, three of his first four starts this month have been very concerning and had me thinking, is he going to end up in the bullpen in the postseason? Now, I still don't know if I'm sure what his role is going to be, but he proved something on Thursday night, that when the lights are the brightest and it's time for Dean Kramer to go out there and get a division, he's going to do just that. Kramer, who has kind of been hit around in his two previous starts against the Red Sox this year, giving up seven and four earned runs, it did not happen in this one. Kramer, five and a third scoreless innings, allowing just two hits. He struck out eight. He walked just one. He went four no-hit innings, didn't even give up a hit until a leadoff single in the fifth, was just rolling through this Red Sox order on 88 pitches. In a different situation, he's probably allowed to pitch deeper into this game. At least they let him finish six. But he did what he needed to do, getting 16 huge outs for the Orioles, keeping the Red Sox off the scoreboard. And he just attacked this lineup from the get-go. Now, this isn't the Red Sox A lineup at this point. I mean, they didn't even have Justin Turner in there. They're playing some of the young guys, but they've still got, you know, Devers, Yoshida, Verdugo, and Story in the middle of that order. It's still a solid offense, even with this lineup. And Kramer did not back down from this challenge, did not back down from the moment. 15 whiffs for Dean Kramer on 47 swings, a 32% whiff rate, one of his best of the year. Eight on the four-seamer, four of them on the cutter. And he did what he does. He attacks you with fastballs. 42 four-seamers, 29 cutters of his 88 pitches. He didn't throw any other pitch more than eight times among the curveball changeup and the sinker on the night. He was basically a two-pitch guy, and he just dominated the Red Sox like that. And, I mean, what a moment it is for Dean Kramer, who, when he was traded to the Orioles, along with four other players from the Dodgers, in the Manny Machado deal before the deadline in 2018, that was the first step that signaled the Orioles were moving in a different direction. They were kick-starting the rebuild then. And as we know, Kramer's the only guy left from the five players the Orioles got in that Machado trade. And really, if you look at this 2023 season, the only real contributor that the Orioles acquired at that deadline is Dean Kramer. I mean, yes, they also picked up Bruce Zimmerman and Dylan Tate in those deals, but Tate's missed the entire year with injury, and Zimmerman spent most of the season in AAA Norfolk. It's really just been Dean Kramer from when they kickstarted the rebuild, and for him to be the guy to start this clinching game, that's got to mean so much more for him. And now you got to look at it and say, I don't know if he's still like a lock to be a postseason starter. I think there's only two locks right now, and that's Kyle Bradish and Grayson Rodriguez. But I would feel a little better again if Dean Kramer were to end up being that number three starter in the playoffs. And whatever role he's in, what he proved to me on Thursday night is he is going to be up to the task, up for the challenge, and the pressure and the moment is not going to get to Dean Kramer.
Second thing you need to know from the Orioles' AL East clinching 2-0 win on Thursday is that Anthony Santander set the tone early in this game. Now, the O's offense didn't do a lot, right? Two runs in this game. It ended up being enough because the pitching was so good. But you'd like a little bit more leeway than two runs on four hits in a clinching game. But Santander said, let's get out ahead early. Let's not make things too nerve-wracking. And with two outs in the first inning against Red Sox starter Chris Sale, Santander pummels a baseball over the big wall in left field. 109 miles per hour off the bat, 405 feet for his 28th homer of the the year to once again tie up Gunnar Henderson at the top of the Orioles' home run leaderboard in 2023. And Chris Sale was honestly good after that. Like, the Orioles had bludgeoned Chris Sale this year. He had a 13.50 ERA against Baltimore in his three starts against the O's this season coming into this game. But Sale gave them five innings of one-run ball in this one. It's just Santander was really the only guy to get to him. But that did set the tone. And what a cool moment for Anthony Santander, who has been through it all, right? The Orioles picked him up in the Rule 5 draft from the Cleveland organization back in November of 2016. He had never been on a winning Orioles team until 2022, but he had been through it all. You know, he was still on the team that was fighting for it in 2017 with Duquette and Showalter. He saw them break it all down. He stuck around through the dark years of the rebuild, and he is still here as a starting, contributing, middle-of-the-order bat. And to see him make that big swing was huge for Santander. Third thing you need to know is, you know, it wasn't all guys who have like been through the rebuild who helped in this game. Sometimes you get a young pup who doesn't know any better, who's going to help you win a division. And on Thursday night, that was Heston Kerstad, who came off the bench to pinch hit for Jorge Mateo in the eighth inning and came up with a huge, huge hit a pinch hit RBI double scoring Adam Frazier who had led off the inning with a pinch hit walk that doubled the Orioles lead made it a two nothing game in the bottom of the eighth and gave the Orioles just a huge insurance run after they hadn't scored off the Red Sox since Santander's first inning solo home run just a huge swing for Kerstad who hadn't played in a couple of days right you know Ryan Mountcastle coming back he's in the lineup that was great to see Mountcastle back out there with an 0 for 1 with a walk but the O's have kind of gone away from Kerstad, and you get it. You know, you're not going to throw the rookie out there in these big, big spots. But Hyde said, you know what? Kerstad gives us a good matchup. Let's send him out there, see what he can do. And it wasn't the hardest hit ball. It was certainly a bloop double into left center field. But it got the job done. And, you know, Kerstad was an example of the young guys can do it too. And Brandon Hyde using basically the whole bench. Not even basically. He used the entire bench. All 14 Active position players for this game appeared in the game when the Orioles clinched the AL East. I thought that was a really cool moment as well. You had your nine starters. Cedric Mullins came in in center field for defense in the ninth inning. Ryan O'Hearn pinch hit for Ryan Mountcastle in the middle of the game stayed in. Adam Frazier, a pinch hitter in the eighth inning, stayed in the game. Then you had Heston Kerstad pinch hit in the eighth as well. And then Ramon Arias replaced him defensively in the top of the ninth. And it was Arias who recorded the final out of the game. All 14 players contributed, and that's really a microcosm of the Orioles' season. Brandon Hyde has done a great job extracting value from every single corner of this roster, getting the most seemingly out of most of his players, and he's talked about it time and time again. He wants to use everybody, whether it's 13 or 14 hitters. He wants to use all of them and help them contribute, and that is what they did in the East clinching game.
Fourth thing you need to know from this one, speaking of Brandon Hyde, he managed this Oriole bullpen like it was a postseason game. And you understand it, right? Like, you want to win it now. You've got the lead late. You've got your bullpen fully rested. Pretty much everybody out there was available for Thursday night's game. You get a good, you know, five and a third scoreless from Dean Kramer. You turn it over to the pen. And he manages. I think this gave us a good window into what Brandon Hyde will do with the bullpen in the postseason. And it started with his move in the sixth inning. So Kramer comes back out there in the sixth. Orioles leading one nothing, And the leadoff hitter, ground ball short, should be an easy play for Jorge Mateo. Just goes right through his legs for an E6. Runner on first base. Then Kramer gets a fly out. Then Rafael Devers singles into right field. All of a sudden... Red Sox have first and third with one out. Orioles leading just one nothing in the sixth. And the lefty Masataka Yoshido, who's having a good season, comes to the plate. And D.L. Hall, the lefty, had been throwing in the Oriole bullpen from the start of the inning. And with Kramer still kind of cruising, eight strikeouts, only 88 pitches, Hyde still comes out and makes the move. And that is a move that is made in the postseason. You get some matchups you want for a reliever who gets strikeouts. Got to get yourself out of a jam with a one-run lead. He goes to D.L. Hall. And D.L. Hall absolutely gets the job done. The Red Sox pinch hit with the righty Adam Duvall. Didn't matter. Hall strikes him out. Then Hall should have struck out Verdugo, the next batter, through a beautiful 2-2 changeup on the inside corner. For some reason, didn't get the call. But on the very next pitch, gets Verdugo to ground out to second to end the threat, strand the runners, keep it a 1-0 game. What a huge moment for Hall. But he wasn't even done. Hall then comes back out there and casually throws a 1-2-3-7th. To keep it at a one nothing game. I mean, that was the best outing, relief-wise, of the year for D.L. Hall. Retired all five batters, 23 pitches, one strikeout. He was just ridiculous getting the biggest outs, I think, of his career in that sixth inning. I mean, those were huge. You could argue probably the 11th inning against the Rays last weekend, also some huge outs. But D.L. Hall, I mean, he's a lock for the postseason bullpen right now, coming up big every single time. And then Brandon Hyde in the eighth inning, goes to Yenier Cano, the guy who we feel like is most likely the Orioles' top closer option for the postseason if Felix Bautista is indeed still out and not able to pitch. But Hyde goes to him in the eighth because Hyde knows the Red Sox have a good chunk of good left-handed hitters in the middle of their order. So in the eighth inning with all the righties coming up, Hyde goes to Cano. And Cano does allow a one-out single, but he gets a strikeout and a ground out. And with a runner on first and two outs in the eighth and a one nothing lead, the lefty's coming up, and he goes to CNL Perez. And once again, I really like the move. He goes to Perez to face the toughest lefty, the best hitter in the order for the Red Sox and Rafael Devers. And what does Perez do? He comes in, gets the huge ground out, gets out of the inning, and keeps it one nothing. And I really thought, like, Perez would go back out there for the ninth inning. But the fifth and final thing you need to know from the Orioles' clinching win over the Red Sox on Thursday night is that Tyler Wells was once again handed the ninth inning on back-to-back nights. And I think this is a good window into what Wells' role could be in the postseason. First and foremost, I mean, even with Wells coming back to join the bullpen this weekend after, you know, two months in the minors, the, the dead arm, the fatigue, and didn't know what was going on after he was maybe the Orioles' best starting pitcher in the first half of the season, all of a sudden, he hasn't allowed a base runner out of the bullpen. Wells comes in, you know, the O's get the insurance run, it's 2 nothing heading into the top of the ninth. Wells comes in, save situation, pitch the night before, goes 1-2-3 to clinch the division. Like, what a job. 
by Tyler Wells. And I talked about it Thursday and was kind of mentioning, you know, previewing the Thursday night game, what relievers would be available. And I basically said probably the whole bullpen, but I said if one guy is unavailable, it might be Tyler Wells. Just because the O's haven't used him a lot out of the bullpen, he pitched a scoreless ninth inning to secure the 5-1 to win over the Nats on Wednesday night. And I just thought they may not want to use Tyler Wells in a back-to-back situation right here, especially because the rest of the bullpen is rested. And then all of a sudden, Wells is warming up in the bottom of the eighth, and out he comes in the top of the ninth inning. It didn't look like the fact that he was pitching back-to-back nights affected him at all. Wells goes 1-2-3, locks down his first save of the season. He's now retired all 10 batters he's faced since coming back to the big league bullpen. Didn't get a strikeout, but it only took him nine pitches to finish off the inning, finish off the game, and finish off the division for the Orioles. And the stuff looked really, really good. I mean, he was out there, three fastballs. He was sitting 95 up to, you know, 95, 96. Changeup looked nasty, tossed in the slider a couple of times. And we've gone from Tyler Wells may not pitch again for the Orioles until 2024 to Tyler Wells might be a high leverage reliever for the Orioles in the postseason. We flipped to that in just two nights of baseball, but that's what can happen when you lose your closer in Felix Bautista and you don't exactly know where you're going to go for those ninth inning outs. I don't think Tyler Wells is the closer heading into the playoffs, but he is now a high leverage option for Brandon Hyde. And that is huge for this Orioles bullpen. He's on the mound for the final out. And what a moment that is for him, for all he's gone through this year to be back out there recording the save, the final out to clinch the division had to be a special moment for the big man, Tyler Wells and the Orioles are AL East champions. Soak it in, right? Really feel this moment. That's what we're going to try to do coming up next. Like, yes, this Orioles team has had an amazing season, but it is really hard to put into perspective just how great and how crazy this turnaround has been. But I'm going to try my best coming up next. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by Sleeper. The MLB playoffs are around the corner, and the Orioles are not just in, but they're the number one seed in the American League. But with the playoffs here, it means the clock is ticking on your chance to times your money by 100 in cash on Daily Fantasy Baseball. Baseball has never been more exciting than it is now, with studs like Acuna, Betts, Otani, Dean Kramer, Anthony Santander, Tyler Wells, Heston Kerstad, and more. You can pick more or less on stats for these stars, like homers, hits, strikeouts, and more, for up to a 100 times payout on Sleeper. Get your picks right, and you could win big. The best thing about the Sleeper app, though, it's super easy to use. Like, yeah, it's great to multiply your money by 100 times, but you make these entries, you pick higher or lower for the stats. If you know what you're doing, even if you don't know what you're doing when you go on the app, it only takes about a minute to get those entries in. So use promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Check out Sleeper today. So the Orioles did it. They absolutely did it. They win the AL East, clinching the division with a 2-0 win over the Boston Red Sox on Thursday night. It's honestly unbelievable. I was in the ballpark for that one. Wasn't going to miss the clinch. Like, however many games it took, however long it took, I was going to be there. I was there Wednesday, there Thursday. I was going to be there Friday, Saturday, Sunday if I needed to be just to see that clinch in person. And it was an incredible moment. No, it wasn't a fully sold out ballpark, but that ballpark was pretty packed and the fans were into it. Like the moment I realized that a, 
This is a postseason atmosphere. And B, the Orioles fans are hungry and ready for postseason baseball was in that sixth inning I talked about. When they took out Dean Kramer, went to D.L. Hall with a one-run lead, runners on the corners, and one out. The fans were all standing with one out in the sixth inning, cheering for D.L. Hall, going crazy for the strikeout, going even crazier for the ground out that ends the inning. On their feet the entire time. Fans, when Heston Kerstad comes out to pinch hit, on their feet from the moment he came to the plate until the moment Tyler Wells and Ramon Arias recorded the final out. Everybody was into it. They were ready to go. It was incredible to be there and to see. And the Orioles get to 100 wins. Like, that's not something to just brush off either. It's only the sixth season ever. The Orioles have been around since 1954. Only the sixth season ever that the Orioles have recorded 100 wins. They haven't done it since 1980. Even their last World Series team in 83 did not win 100 games. Dan Connolly put this well on Twitter on Thursday night. Cal Ripken played for more than 20 seasons with the Orioles. He never played on a team that won 100 games. And yet this Orioles team has done it in 2023. We're talking about two years after the Orioles had the worst record in baseball. Finished 52-110. and 110, Ended up with the first pick, which was Jackson Holiday, which is nice. And shout out to Jackson Holiday and the Norfolk Tides, who beat the Durham Bulls 7-0 on Thursday night, clinching the International League title and will play for the AAA championship in the title game on Sunday. So shout out to the Orioles AAA affiliate, who had a great night as well. But it was bad. Like, 2018, terrible. 2019, terrible. 2020, not as terrible, but only because it was 60 games. We didn't get enough time to see how bad it could be. And 2021 was just as bad. We felt like they could have taken at least a step forward, and they really didn't. They still had the worst record in baseball. And they turned it around to win 83 games last year. And yes, they missed the playoffs by three games, and we felt, okay, Next up in 2023 is the postseason. Sneak in as a wild card, even with how tough this division is. They weren't looking for a wild card. They were looking to win this division, and they get to 100 wins and do just that. It was a pretty quick rebuild. you got to give credit to Mike Elias and his staff for turning it around this quickly. 110 losses in 2021 to 100-plus wins in 2023. That is incredible. And think about this season in general. The Rays... We're 13-0 to start the season. The Rays were 29-7 this year. It looked like they were going to run away with the AL East and the O's were going to have to find a way in via the wild card. But they came back. They just clawed and clawed and scratched away at that division. And all of a sudden, on September 28th, they are AL East champions. But make sure to really soak it in. Like, yeah, you may not want to think back on the bad years right now, but think about it wasn't that long ago that the best thing happening for the Orioles was a Rio Ruiz walk-off homer and Stevie Wilkerson pitching in the 16th inning in Anaheim and getting a save. Like, that was the big moments. It wasn't that long ago. It wasn't that long ago when Hanser Alberto was hitting 400 against lefties. That is what we hung our hat on. It wasn't that long ago when Chris Davis was 0 for 54 or when our favorite pitcher to watch was a guy in his late 30s with a pitch called the Dead Fish. And he was the Orioles' closer. And that was our most watchable pitcher. That wasn't that long ago for the Baltimore Orioles. And yet, here they are in 2023 with a division title. And it's not just that. Of course, their first division title since 2014. They'll have a home playoff game for the first time since then as well. 
But just like in 2014, it's not just the division title. This Orioles team can win the World Series. They are the number one seed in the American League. The AL playoffs go through Baltimore at this point. They're hosting game one of the ALDS next Saturday. It's truly incredible. And we got even more good news, which I'll get to next week on the podcast, is that they announced the Orioles, John Angelos, with three months left, finally signed the lease. Looks like a 30-plus year lease for Camden Yards. So they're staying here, which was nice to know as well. It's just, it's hard to fully soak in what's happening. How quickly this team turned it around, right? Like, think about it. Nobody else has done this in two years. I mean, think about Brandon Hyde. They could have cast him aside easily. It's happened so many times in rebuilds. I mean, even the rebuild for the Astros, the team that people say the Orioles have modeled it after, Elias and Medell coming from Houston. Bo Porter was their manager throughout the rebuilding stages. And then when they felt like we might be close to winning, they shipped him out of there, brought in A.J. Hinch, and Hinch goes and wins the World Series. They could have done the same thing with Brandon Hyde this year. They could have said last year, okay, this team looks like it's ready to maybe win. Let's get rid of Brandon Hyde, expire his contract, go get a veteran manager and try and win the whole thing. But they stuck with Hyde, and it paid off. I mean, he is the easy choice for American League Manager of the Year in 2023. He's led this team to 100 games. I mean, Hyde might have been my favorite part of the celebration on Thursday night. Brandon Hyde's crying on the field like a minute after the final out is recorded for the clinch because of everything he's been through. These terrible teams, these awful teams he's managed, the things he's talked about before just being like, I didn't have much to work with, basically. He can now go to Yinyer Cano and CNL Perez and Tyler Wells at the end of the game. He used to look out there and be like, am I going with Tanner Scott today? Am I going with Thomas Eshelman today? Am I going with Richard Blyer today or Miguel Castro? Or am I going with Ryan Eads or Taylor Scott today or... Stefan Crichton or whoever it may be out there for the Orioles. No shade to those guys, but he's able to pencil in Adley Rutschman and Gunnar Henderson into the lineup instead of Bravik Valera or Jace Peterson or Craig Gentry or Mason Williams. Like these teams are different for Brandon Hyde and he's showing like he managed Thursday night, like it was a postseason game that he's ready for that challenge too. Just anything could happen in the playoffs, right? They could win it all. They could be bounced in the ALDS. And I know that, you know, it feels like this window is just now opening for the Orioles. They got this young team that just turned it around this quickly to win 100 games and win the division. You're thinking it's going to be 10 plus years of this team just being in it to win a World Series every year. But windows always close faster than you expect. It happens for every single team, right? This is how people felt about the Cubs in 2015. Yes, they went and won the World Series the next year, but they were rebuilding a couple years later, and they're just now getting back to a team that's trying to get back into the playoffs. Windows can close faster than you think, especially when you got an owner that's not really committed to paying these guys either. So sit down and say, you know what? Let's enjoy every moment of this year, of this clinch, of this celebration, and this postseason, which is going to be incredible to watch follow along with, and cheer on these O's. But before they get to that postseason, it's kind of surprising. They've still got three regular season games left. Like, these games don't really mean anything for the O's. So the question kind of is, what are they going to do in these final three games this weekend? 
We'll talk about that to finish off the pod coming up next. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is also brought to you by DoorDash. Do you love the convenience of getting what you want right to your door? Well, with DoorDash grocery delivery, you can stock up for the week on last-minute cravings very, very conveniently. We know you've trusted DoorDash to deliver your restaurant favorites. Well, now you can get grocery delivery that actually delivers too. You'll get exactly what you ordered, or they'll make it right. So sit back and enjoy quality groceries just like you picked them yourselves. And they got thousands of grocery stores to choose from, so you can get it from the best one in your neighborhood. And you can get 50% off your first DoorDash order up to a $20 value when you use code LOCKEDONMLB at checkout. Limited time offer, terms apply. That's 50% off, up to $20, no minimum subtotal, and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code LOCKEDONMLB. Don't forget that's code LOCKEDONMLB for 50% off your first order with DoorDash. So after all the celebration and all the fun at Camden Yards on Thursday night, the Orioles still have three games to play this weekend against the Red Sox. they got to finish off this regular season and finish off the weekend, finish off the four-game series with really not much to play for. Like, the Atlanta Braves clinched the best record in baseball on Thursday night. The Orioles clinched the AL East. They're not even playing to, like, you know, finish above the Braves so they can get home field advantage in the World Series, too. Like, they've gotten what they need at this point. But they got three more games. 7.05 p.m. tonight, Orioles honoring Jim Palmer, Nick Pavetta for the Red Sox, John Means for the Orioles. 7.15 on Saturday, Cutter Crawford for the Red Sox, probably some slice of Kyle Gibson for the Orioles. And then Sunday at 3.05 to finish things off, Tanner Houck for the Red Sox, and potentially a slice of Kyle Bradish with others for the Orioles. And remember, you can still listen to every single pitch of the final three games of the Orioles radio, uh, regular season and the Orioles hometown radio broadcast through the SXM app, through SiriusXM. Just download the app and search Orioles. But the question kind of becomes now, like, what what are they going to do the rest of the weekend? They don't have anything to play for. But as I talked about earlier this week, you no longer have the 40-man rosters, right, in September. You can't just put together a hangover lineup of nine guys, you know, rookies and guys you never heard of, and let the, uh, you know, starters cure their hangover and let these guys play the day after you clinch. You can't do that. You only have a 28-man roster, and you can't send guys down because the rules about position players having to stay in the minors for 10 days, pitchers for 15 days, apply for the postseason as well. So if you send anyone down today, they're not going to be eligible to come back for the ALDS. You can't do that either to get, you know, some reinforcements. So really, it's just about spreading out the innings for your pitchers and giving your regular starters probably a day off. So we're going to see, you know, Adley get a full day off. Probably Hayes, Hicks, Mullins, Santander. All these guys are really going to probably get a full day off at least once in the final three games. You're probably going to see a lot of Heston Kerstad. You'll most likely see him play the outfield for the first time. You'll see a lot of Jorge Mateo starting. You'll probably see more Ramon Arias. I'm sure you'll see even more James McCann catching, even after he started behind the dish each of the last two games. You're also going to see like some guys moving around to see how much they can play other positions. Like I'm sure Ryan Mountcastle will play some more just because he's coming back to make sure he's ready to go. You might see more Ramon Arias at like first base and Santander at first base to make sure they can do it there. You'll probably see more Ryan O'Hearn in the outfield, Kerstad in the outfield, maybe some more Jorge Mateo in center field as well. I'm sure you'll see some more Jordan Westberg in the lineup this weekend. Just moving guys around, getting them comfortable other places, and spreading out the innings to keep guys fresh. In terms of the pitchers, 
looks like John Means will still make his start Friday. And I would think Kyle Gibson will probably still make his start Saturday. But they're going to be much shorter starts, right? They're going to give them three or four innings. Maybe a little more for John Means because he's still building all the way back from returning from Tommy John surgery. But Kyle Gibson might be pulled after three or four. And they might still even start Kyle Bradish on Sunday and maybe let him go like two innings. Maybe three innings just to stay fresh and not have too long of a layoff until his assumed game one start of the ALDS next Saturday. And then you'll maybe see Jack Flaherty either start a game or at least pitch some bulk innings. You might see the Orioles recall Cole Irvin and make a roster move so he can pitch some bulk innings. And then every reliever is going to get some work this weekend just to keep them fresh. It's not going to be as much about winning the games this weekend. It's going to be more about keeping everybody fresh, getting them innings, getting them rest, and getting the O's ready for what will be a week off next week. They've clinched the division. Starting Monday, they'll have off until next Saturday, October 7th, which will be at the yard, game one of the ALDS. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. So enjoy the rest of this weekend, right? Like, take in some baseball that's meaningless for a good reason. We haven't seen meaningless for a good reason regular season baseball since 2014, basically, after the O's clinched the AL East in mid-September that year. That's the last time we saw this. Most of the meaningless baseball we saw was for bad reasons because the O's were way out of it. Now you can just relax, enjoy some guys playing different positions, some wacky pitching moves, just hope everybody stays healthy, Low stress three games, and I'll be back with you on Monday. I'll still recap those three games of the series this weekend, but also we'll talk about who the O's opponent in the ALDS could be because the playoff matchups will be set with the regular season ending Sunday when I'm back Monday. We'll know who's playing in the four versus five matchup. We know one team will be the Rays and they'll be hosting, but we'll find out which of the Mariners, the Astros, or the Blue Jays, or maybe even the Rangers would be that five seed taken on the Rays, and we'll preview that matchup a bit to see who the Orioles could take on in the American League Division Series. But that is coming up on Monday's episode when I return. Until then, enjoy it. Soak it in. The O's are American League East champions. A hundred wins. This team is for real. They could win the World Series, and they're not done yet. And I'm Connor Newcomb. And this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast. Your team, every day.